0: Welcome back to Young and I with Alex Morris. Uh, this episode is with a very good friend of mine, cat Bond. Uh, I know Kat from the FA scene and whatnot in London. I'm a massive fan of Kat. Uh, and I was so excited to have her on the podcast because I've been wanting to have her on it for ages. Um, this was a really fun episode. Um, had her over and we just had a good chat. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. Once again, this uh, episode is uh, a long time coming just because... As I said, I wanted to get out um, Oren's episode first um, and had technical issues along the way. Um, I'm not able to use my microphone right now. That's why this might be sounding a little bit more tinny, um, as did the uh, last intro to the last episode. Um, Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm just going to get right to it. And I hope you love it. And I hope you love Kat, because she's very lovable. Um, Her show, uh, Lou Roll, uh did fantastically uh, at the Edinburgh fringe, I'm very glad to say. Um and yeah, enjoy guys. That was an excellent intro. The Ottoman is
1: decorative What was the point of this? No I got it.
0: Well I've been in show business now forty five seconds and this is the nicest reception we ever
1: had. Yeah. <laughs> it a wasteland. Like you know you started flirting already. No,
0: not such a ridiculously white bread cracker yeah, i can't go in there by myself and buy a croissant can i should think i'm weird have a mod. i'm a, a mod for hip hop oh how witty get this guy on hollywood squares
1: it looks like it was made by a two-year-old
0: monkey on a farm cat bond we're talking with cat bond um cat now whoa well, Okay, we should just say that we just uh, went on the bus together for a while and spoke about a lot of stuff, so hopefully we aren't kind of out of out of topics. Um, but um, we talked about uh, your new show, Lou Roll, which I want to talk about heavily because I loved it so much <laughs> when I saw it at the vaults, but you said that you're changing it up quite a lot from what I saw.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. I think Vault Festival, which is... Um in February and March was a really good way of getting an hour out Mm. and sort of seeing what an hour looked like. I've been kind of building the show for quite a while so it's quite good just to have in my mind that I have to do an hour by then. Um, And now I'm working with um, a director, Matthew Cosby, and we are working on finding some new ways of kind of viewing some of the bits and just what it looks like as a whole. So yeah. I'm sort of changing it, where it's tricky to, d- to describe. The whole um, premise of the piece, or of the show, is that a woman called Pat, who is a bit like my alter ego, is um, trying to find her family, and all she has is a loo roll. And she's been found in a bin outside yeah. Papa John's <laughs> in Luton, and she's putting on a show and um, it's about Lou roll which is it, it's called a Lou roll show she describes herself as a Lou roller <laughs> uh, but this need to try and find her family keeps on coming back yeah. and that kind of becomes the, the main bit of the show even though she doesn't necessarily want it to so we're just going to work a little bit more on that it's difficult to describe when you haven't seen the show so we're just working on pulling those things out and just adding some more essentially it's a character comedy show Yeah, and um, we're just working on how um, to get some of the other characters that I've written in the show and just yeah. finding connections I think Yeah. so in the same way as a stand-up has callbacks I want some callbacks in there, some more callbacks and also just trying to find some more connections
0: yeah. N-
1: not necessarily so it all ties up because as you know, as you know from seeing it, it's quite odd <laughs> and so certain things are just left but so it just feels like there's a, a sense of the whole, and you sort of bring certain elements back in and we sort of understand things about that character that we didn't at the beginning or yeah. some of the stories that the character's kind of connecting and interlinking We've that's been, what I'm working on
0: because <laughs> the theme's so strong in it uh, I mean I'm not sure how deep we want to go with it but like <laughs> the themes that I thought were so strong were a little bit more serious okay, like yeah. family is so well kind of dealt with I think and almost abandonment yeah so were you ever worried because it's played so well but were you ever worried that it would get too dark trying to play with that idea you know
1: yeah, yeah. i think there is a real and um, it's quite tricky to, to keep that balanced yeah and um, actually people are left in bins like children are left in bins and um, pets are left in bins and it's quite like a serious thing yeah. so when I was doing that I made a trailer for it recently and I was like oh this is actually really dark but I think the idea of them um, trying to work out who you are when you don't know who your mum and dad are and trying uh, to piece together your identity through um, without not very much information and being abandoned and generally just feeling on your own yeah. which is something that I think everyone feels it's like quite a general thing but The idea of sort of being left and then having to put yourself together again Mm -hmm. um, and kind of complete yourself so yeah i definitely thought about that and i always tend to play characters that are kind of or like create characters that are um sort of struggling or on the edges of society or kind of not uh not fully um With it or like not particularly high status characters, people who are kind of a bit on the edge. Yeah, something I really enjoy playing. So yeah, I think abandonment is definitely in there. And when I'm describing the show, in press release things, you know, the feedback's been okay. It is essentially very very silly and very clowny, and um, and it is a comedy. But I quite like tying in those elements of 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 sadness and pathos and uh, and feeling like real human feelings of desperation and just like being on our own and just wanting connections with other people yeah because I think that's a real struggle um for, for for most of us even though even if you're surrounded by friends and family um so yeah I'm quite up for it being quite dark but yeah describing it, it's quite difficult because everyone's like oh it's about <laughs> an orphan like I remember I can't remember so saying like actually there are lots of taboos in comedy but like Mentioning orphans, like, it's not always that cool. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) And Pat is an orphan.
0: I feel like a little bit with Pat. But what I... Because um, I should say that we were in the same level four class um, at the FA. And one thing that I generally always thought that you were so brilliant at, because you always were so good with real characters, just even when, you know, we were just um, in...
1: Uh, in class thank you Alex <laughs> <But, laughs> I'm learning how to take compliments thank you <laughs> but
0: one thing that I genuinely think you were always so good at was playing even high status characters that were almost we could see the cracks through them that they're vulnerable you know what I mean Like a lot of your characters normally are showing cracks that they're cracking that they are very vulnerable yeah. at the time that we're seeing them do you feel like that is an intentional aspect of characters that you like playing and therefore try to bring a little bit to Pat? Because she kind of wears her heart asleep. Yeah. Yeah, she...
1: Yeah. You could say I like playing, yeah, Cracked eggs, definitely. <laughs> I suppose it's, de- it's definitely more interesting. Yeah. And when someone sort of exposes a weakness uh, uh, when they're sort of particularly high status, it's just so much more interesting. Mm. Rather than just watching someone who's really together, I mean, I find it. I've always been fascinated by people who sort of present themselves really well, and like really look like they're really clean, and like their makeup's always really flawless, or they don't stutter uh, before they speak. And I just sort of, I'm in awe of. I'm just always fascinated by those people. So I should possibly play them. That maybe will be the next show. But yeah, the crack thing i just really enjoy seeing that glimmer of vulnerability not in people because i don't like people being vulnerable but i just think there's there's always somewhere to go with that and you always kind of want to know the story and yeah. i do think there's very much a presentation of what someone's like on the surface and then like kind of what's underneath that yeah
0: but, yeah how long had you uh, been wanting to write an hour when was that kind of in your mind that's like next year or whatever i will be doing an hour
1: um, was that ever a goal I think that I never thought, oh I desperately want to um, write an hour, like when's the right time to write an hour, it just kind of happened naturally and I think you feel when you want to um, create something that's a little bit fuller because I think it's very different what I perform at short gigs than what I would do for an hour because you want to you want to show a whole world of somebody and I think yeah. perhaps sort of earn um, having an, an hour, at least I hopefully she has um so yeah i think i just uh, played w- with it a lot and really took the pressure off myself to um create lots and then just and did sort of half an hour and kept changing that and mixing it up and now i've sort of had just it was led by ideas actually and then you are given some guidance about when to do certain things but i think it's when you're ready and it's also like practically being offered a slot or um, where you're at in your life, what other work and stuff that you're you're doing, but yeah. it felt like okay, I'm ready now to pre- present an hour and I've got some ideas, and I think it should always come from, you know, an idea rather than being like, this is what I should be doing now, Yeah. but it is good to push yourself, and like I said, with vaults, just having a deadline, and I can respond really well to deadlines, in yeah. terms of okay, I've got to do that then, otherwise it will just drift along and be like, oh, there's had some wonderful ideas that I might put out one day but who knows I'll wait I'll I'll wait until I'm ready No, so yeah
0: have you got specific hours that you watch say in the last few years that you're like oh I'd love to try and do something like that you know that's kind of a style that I love that's kind of you know well there's small things that were kind of taken that's like oh that is great that's great Mm.
1: yeah there's loads of shows that I've loved I need to have a Proper think about that. I loved, um, I really liked, as so many people did, John Kern's show. Mm. Um, I really liked the silences and the sort of time that you were given to sort of process some of the lines. Um, and he, that character or that version of himself just in terms of the voice and being really distinctive and just the obscure references that was still rooted in kind of reality, where you're like, oh, really? Um, I really get that, or that really clicks with something in my childhood or something that I've seen, and just like having that obscure take on it. Um, With the
0: silences, when was it that you were okay with being in silence
1: on stage, you know? I don't know, (laughs) it was this one time. I I think just the power of it, I always noticed it so, part of a duo called That Pair um, with Lorna Shaw and we had moments where actually because we were tired or hungover or you know when you forget a line or something and there's actually those moments and it lets the audience know when there's time to laugh or they kind of, in the same way as Impro, like um, you begin to see, you begin to uh, visualise the thing that someone said or you begin to add your, own, the audience get to add their own story onto yeah. it. Um, and also did a lot of like clowning, <laughs> and um, and and stuff. So, sort of silence and feeling out a situation, and sort of playing a lot with um, maybe visually acknowledging something rather than having to put words to it. I'm definitely more of a visual learner, For sure. and I could. I need to be using my hands. This is why this podcast is <laughs> pretty long. <laughs> it takes me a long while to get my words around um, certain things or get my head round describing it and um, being articulate. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy with silence. I want more silence in the show but I think it has to be, um, I did a show recently where I was like this feels really dramatic and that's solely because I do not know what's coming next. So I feel like yeah. you, you need to know and you need to feel it out but I think through doing a lot of improv, I, I want to sit in moments a lot more. Yes. and um, Yeah, rather than just bashing on a pace. I mean, I think pace is really important as well, so you don't want to have these massive gaps where it's like everyone slumps and has time to think about what they want for dinner and stuff.
0: For sure. Um, I mean, improv silences specifically are something that can sometimes be abused almost, where there are lots of people who, say, want to do the style of from Chicago and stuff and they think okay if I do slow-burning long scenes mm. where it's only me and you at a bus stop that will automatically be great improv because we will just do it real mm-hmm. and we'll just talk and we'll talk but you still have to remember to build the blocks and actually be saying something you know yeah. that they think if I just say realism of just uh, we won't speak for a minute and a half and then i'll say something and then we leave that for a bit you still need to remember almost the fundamentals yeah. even when doing slow burning improv you know what
1: i mean 100% yeah i think it's a tricky thing to pull off and equally you're often going to get tagged out yes that situation but i like the i like being able to use those um, Different energies, yeah. A sort of slow and fast-paced character, and I think actually you thought sort of if you're naturally, I'm naturally someone who my brain sort of goes ten to a dozen, and I sort of say everything that I think, <laughs> and it's really nice to play those characters where you're really slow and you're really thinking, For sure. and everything is clear and precise. And I, I really like playing with those different energies, and I think a good show you were saying about some other hours and I'll think of some more in a minute but a good show is where you're kind of um, also the audience are really in the flow of it's sensory on lots of different levels so it's like what you're seeing and what you're hearing is great as well but they've got the kind of energy levels right and the pacing's right and stuff like that and I think you can only get that by probably doing it lots and also just being aware of the audience that you've got at that time and whether they need you to pick that pace up or whether they'll trust that you, I think trust is a lot to do with it, and that's what I'm kind of working a lot on. By playing a very diff, very vulnerable character, how can I get the audience to trust me? Because obviously, you are naturally nervous as soon as you go on stage. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're playing a nervous character. So it's like you need the audience to, to trust you.
0: Is the trust that they know what, that they think this person knows what they are doing, don't worry, we're safe? Yeah. Okay. I right. think so. Interesting. But it
1: doesn't matter if the character doesn't know what they're doing. But if you know that the performer knows what they're doing, then that's
0: useful. That is very true. Because yeah. I've before tried writing characters that are doing stand up badly, and sometimes yeah. that's such risky territory. Yeah. I've tried because that as well. you don't know if they know if you're <laughs> in on the joke, and then they might not feel very comfortable in the first minute or so because they think, "Oh my god, look how hard this person's trying." You know. Yeah. So
1: I did exactly the same thing at a comedy night and they only kind of knew that I was a character when I sort of went mental and started sort of bashing my head <laughs> against the wall which was just totally chaotic <laughs> That's um, So funny. and I remember being that because it was an evening of new stand-up and so why I hadn't thought of that I don't yeah. know but I sort of went up there and sort of in, in character. It's
0: very hard doing character at stand-up nights I found. Yeah. Weirdly, it doesn't translate that well.
1: Yeah, it's. I think if the night is compared really well, then the audience can go with it. Yeah, but we've had it worked when Lorna and I did more musical comedy, and we'd come on either the end of the first half or at the end. Yeah, or as an opener because I don't know music's able to sometimes transcend those things. But yeah, as a character is confusing.
0: When did you start doing character stuff? When did you very first do like?
1: What, on my own? Yeah. Um, I did a show with John Pointing called The Cat and John Appeal and we did it at the Free Fringe and I had some sort of ragtag, scrappy characters that I was trying out, which was really fun. But it was sort of at the beginning I was just sort of testing the water and some of the stuff was really clowny and silent and other Mm -hmm. characters were kind of more, it, it was sort of more clearly character comedy, but we did lots of character stuff in that pair we would always play little characters, but it was always with the background of us behind it. So it was always like Cat and Lawrence, who were the kind of characters, then putting on characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did a night at the Vaults, just a one-off, and it was that Pat is actually a character from a little short film that I did, um, called Family Bond, and so I had all the costume and stuff. So even though the what I'd written was um, different from the short film. I sort of felt like I knew what she was about or I knew what her drives were so I knew she wanted to find a family and I knew that she didn't have any friends and I knew sort of what her voice was like so I had some like grips because I'd kind of worked and built on that so that was I think about two years ago.
0: Would you say that the wants and what their drives are are what makes it a character for you from being a rough kind of character idea to when you're like oh no I know this character I can I, I you know I'm able to kind of jump into it
1: yeah I think that that's useful especially if the character is holding the whole show together mm-hmm. not helping it to fall apart so I think it was quite useful to me like okay her one drive is that she's putting on when the one thing is is that she's putting on the show um, about a loo roll that she was found in the bin with yeah. <laughs> keep up guys um, and the other thing is the um, pervading issue of her trying to find her family and that is essentially what drives her and that essentially is like the main goal that's like the deep deep goal but I think with some of the other characters I think it is useful to have a drive but most of the time if you can find the funny in it then you could probably get away with not having sure. a massive drop. But I think it's useful. I'm going to try and work on knowing more information than I am saying on stage about yeah. the character. I mean, it, it is important to say that a lot of it is complete silliness. No, for sure. <laughs> so It's like completely ridiculous and it comes from like a funny voice or... Um, but I am interested in making it about all those other things. I think it's good to know. So you feel safe. I'm interested in having like grips like on, a, on the climbing wall, like having enough things to grip on grip sure. onto, And there's moments that I've left open for improvisation or kind of like yeah. these gaps. And so I'm interested that, okay, if all went to pot and I was still playing that character, would I still have enough grips to know what the driver's in the same way as improv, what's their character's point of view? Yeah. So there's one character that is really into caring for people and she's really smug. And um, she's done a lot of marathons and she does a lot of stuff you know for the community. <laughs> And that kind of, I did, hadn't fully written the character at vault and I was able to sort of play with it in the audience, you know, and kind of went with the feeling. I think improvs really helped me to be like, okay, so what's my body doing? Okay, so what am I leading with? And what's that person's voice? So you just sort of, everything comes back to that point of view and you're able to, to find words and dialogue that yeah. you wouldn't have been able to find, or you wouldn't be able to sit down and write. And that's the thing for me, I find it really difficult. I do sit down and write stuff, so I've got a basis, but now it's also trusting myself that once I'm in that character, I look, richer things will come. Interesting. I yeah. think I've got more in my mouth than I have in my hands typing. <laughs> Didn't know where my mouth was going. Got a lot my I mouth was guys. positive <laughs> that it would be in my brain and it was in my hands. Yeah.
0: But um, um, is that, uh, are there triggers that help you get into the different voices and views? Like, is there something backstage that you're doing in order to get into Pat that just makes you start?
1: I think the costume helps, I know that's a classic, Interesting. but I, there is a voice, um, yeah, sort of saying things as her, and just sort of knowing, I think I'm definitely um, uh, an actor who leads with their body, so I think once I've got the physicality of that character, yeah, then that really helps, and then it sort of feeds. I was talking about this about auditions, when you're sitting and having an audition with someone and they're opposite you and then they're sort of reading off a page and you're sort of in character. It's, that's a whole different um, skill set than, yeah. I think, being on set, actually getting that job and being able to be in the costume and actually physically being in that person's shoes. Not that mm. I'm particularly method, but just that the physical feeling of it and the atmosphere.
0: No, for sure, that's like an old Michael Kane quote, isn't it? Oh, About, is it? Yeah, that he just I'm says that, like <laughs> Right, because he just says like the the mm. best way to get Should into have a like. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to get into a character yeah. is um, is to wear the clothes for a week or two before you start. Right. Um, that's it. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> would you say that you're good in auditions? <laughs> Are you a good auditionee?
1: I'm trying to get better. Yeah, I think I just try my best to try to be as prepared as possible and learn my lines.
0: What are the skill sets? That you I don't know. I Wish that. I knew. Yeah.
1: I'd be. I would not be available for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really busy. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, I think it's useful to focus in on the character that you're playing, rather than jump ahead at the um, getting the job. Yeah. The fantasy of actually getting that job.
0: Wait, so it's best not to think about that at all?
1: I mean, if you can, just try and focus in, be present in that moment, listen, uh-huh. all the classic um, improv stuff. I keep I'm bringing it back to improv, but that's because it's our, our connection. It is. But I'm just trying to be more in the moment and listen and not jump the gun. And, not, and that's the case for when I'm when you first meet the person who's auditioning you as well, just try and listen and focus in on what they're saying and listen to the details they're giving you so that you can respond. Because I think it's really hard, and that's really hard when you're nervous and your brain's rushing ahead and physically you're having, like there's adrenaline, so you're dealing with that. Yeah. I'm really interested in the connection between like, being physically prepared, so in terms of what you've eaten. <laughs> or <laughs> how much sleep you've had is that and just being able to view? cope with being able to cope with stress is you know being as prepared as you can when knowing you are going to respond to stress in a certain way like I'm interested in like sports psychology as well like
0: interested see we're on the same page oh right? are we I'm obsessed with we're on improv. the same page thank um, goodness. I, <laughs> I just constantly what page need you eight years <laughs> uh, eight years. Yeah. I I <laughs> eight years. I, I constantly need eight hours sleep. So much so that like I get very in my head if I haven't had that see uh like the evening before a show or whatever. Yeah. Like that's more more than what I eat, but like yeah. sleep is a big thing for me. That if say I've I've had seven hours, I just think, well then the show's gonna go awfully.
1: Right, so you've put the I, yeah, I, I get that. It. I totally get that. I really do. I think the eight hour thing is so yeah, I can really feel it when I've not had enough sleep and i just okay. feel really exposed and really vulnerable. <laughs>
0: sure. but is... It's like, oh God, no, please, but you're looking into my soul. But that is the thing. I feel like when it's in my head about being tired, not feeling completely fresh and like I've had enough sleep is what will make me think that I can't be present. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's being present. Yeah. Whereas if, I'm, if I feel like I've slept eat, enough I I feel like I can listen properly and be there, you know what I mean. Mm. Whereas I feel like it just makes me more in in my own head. In your
1: head, I'm trying to find a way of not be- being obsessed with the sleep thing. Yeah. And also, I think it's about thinking that you're going to fail before you failed. So sort of preempting something for sure. Being negative, preempting that something will be negative or that you will not succeed, and I think it's probably a way of. Um, self sabotage. Yeah, I think it's really self sabotaging. Um, Are you a just big sabotage constant- person? I'm trying to get out of being because I I think that um it's easier to say that won't happen or it's easier to have low expectations of yourself and it's scarier to be like I'm not going to do that thing because essentially I'm going to fail at it anyway. Yeah. And I think it's just about doing, just keep doing and keep going. So for example, like, oh, I'm not going to do a, I'm not going to put time into my show because actually if I put time into it, it's like the fear that actually it will be positive and it will be like a positive experience and the fear that, or the, no, sorry, the fear that I will make it and it won't be good so if you put time in, exactly, and then you know that you've done your best, whereas actually some just like, yeah, I haven't bothered on that. So exactly. if it fails, you're just like, that's because I hadn't bothered on it. Which is what scares <laughs> me about doing. So I'm trying not to do that.
0: Exactly. That is always how I feel about doing stand up and uh, written stuff. Yeah. And what I think I've said a few times on the podcast before is when anyone says like, oh, improv, that must be so scary. You know, just having to, you know, like have just nothing prepped. I'm like, no everyone is on the same page that they know that you haven't prepped anything. Therefore, yeah. you have so much leeway. Whereas something... It profoundly scares me, the idea of going with something written and people being like, oh, he sat at a desk at 2pm when he was completely sane yeah. and fresh. And he thought this was really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. He typed this on a Word document and saved it,
1: you know? Yeah, and he put it in the right it's, format, it's, guys. Exactly. It's even in a script format. Format. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. That's what's scarier, but um. But you have to just do it. I'm trying to just be more like that. Just do it and try and try your best with it and give yourself the best chance.
0: Apart from just putting improv segments into your show, <laughs> are you very um, are you very conscious on making sure that it's that it feels fresh to you, even though you've done it a certain amount of times? So I realize that you've only done the preview. Uh, how many times have you done the preview so far mm. of Lou Run?
1: Oh well, I did two nights of the full show, and then I did Mac Festival in Wales, and then I did Leicester Comedy Festival. So I've done sort of four okay. versions of the hour, but I've been doing sort of some of that foot, some of that footage, some of that material, um, for quite a while. See, I'm very aware of that, and yeah. that's also why it's being I'm being really conscious in terms of the changes because you were like you're changing this, you're changing it. And I'm being really aware, not just trying to keep myself entertained. Sure. I just kind of want it to be as good as it can be. Sure, so would
0: you say that the feeling of, so what I'm hearing is that the feeling of it feeling fresh for you is less important than in your mind it is of the assurance that there are the grips for people you know, to hold on to, you would rather know I'm putting down grips on the wall for them that I know work and I've practiced, you know?
1: I really like having moments where I'm, I just really want to be really present in the show, and because it's not necessarily lots of audience interaction in the sense I'm not getting people up all the time, but I am, the show can take a different, the story will essentially be the same, but it will take a different path and the build of the show will rely on the different responses from the audience and that relationship yeah. I've built and sort of the casting of the audience in terms of who they are and whether they're my family or not. And I just love those moments when I see them of people being able to respond to those things. I just think it's magical, like yeah. the comics who are able to respond to stuff. Gabby Best is really good at that. Um, uh, she does a brilliant character called Mariana and also she does stand-up she's just really great at sort of listening and kind of being in the really in the room and it's just so exciting because it's because it's fresh and the audience know that's fresh for them um and know that the comic is able to handle it and is able to respond to what's going on so I think like definitely firm grips like I don't want to leave everything to improv but there's a section where I ask for people's second names ask for people's second names and then I try them on and it's a varying <laughs> success sure. and I kind of try them on as in I imagine what it'd be like oh. to have that you did that an, incredible ad-lib, an incredible
0: ad lib an incredible ad lib with some guy's surname when I saw you do it oh did I thank and you and you pinpointed the vibe of that surname where yeah Oh, I'm so annoyed that I can't remember the surname. That's what
1: I'm trying to do, um, to just have those moments where I can physically use that sort of idea of getting a word or something that stimulates something in your head and your body, and that's when I try and do the leading with the body because I'm yeah. like, okay, what's my body telling me about that character? Like, what would that be like? And that's useful for me. That's like kind of a way in. Yeah. Um. See, so yeah, I think firm grips. But equally having those moments where it's it's alive and it's now rather than you just delivering lines. For sure. I think once you've got something really down and then you've got the space to um, the space to play within it. What is the there's a metaphor about um, a staircase. I did a lot of um training with this lady called Roberta Carreri, she's from Odin Theatre, um, when I was studying and um she's this fantastic um lady with such a great present but one of her quotes uh, it was like a metal staircase you have to you have to have a metal staircase but on top and then you can layer the snow so the idea of you've got like a really firm structure so you really know yeah. something's really solid but then you can then you can lay beautiful things over the top of it oh, so you've that. got the space to yeah that's great I've just got very poetic <laughs> <laughs> it's my the- my theater background uh, <laughs> who am I I've never spoken like this before in terms of um, like piecing stuff together it's quite interesting you discover stuff that you think no, Or <laughs> sure. the moment, in the moment. So or stuff that you don't think I'm sure I'll listen back and be like I disagree <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the hell is she saying um, how did you and Lorna
1: meet? we met at uh, Breton Hall which is part of uh, University of Leeds oh. um, and people always say it's where the League of Gentlemen went so it sort mm. of gives it some sort of um, prestige yeah prestige but essentially it's in the West, it was in the West Yorkshire Sculpture Park um, and we sort of did a lot of um, physical theatre and we had an amazing teacher called Rachel Fistan and she introduced us to like a theatre from all over the world yeah. and so that's kind of we all, I sort of had this image of sort of going to join like trying to join Derevo or one of these amazing sort of theatre companies and sort of physically training and getting myself to this place where I was like, um, like almost like a dancer and I would do all those things and I just, it totally wasn't going to happen. But I spent one year in Edinburgh in the Aurora Nova, which was an amazing venue, and used to go and just watch all these amazing theatre companies, just think that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, And then you kind of realise where you're at or what you've been given. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of, of physically and what you look like and, you know, uh, I'm I know, definitely, you know, maybe I could have transcended all of that but you kind of realise, yeah, what your, what your tricks are.
0: <laughs> Wait, so when did comedy even come into it then? If for a long time it was being serious?
1: Yeah, well, I wasn't sort of really being serious. I was always being a bit of a fool and at and I did a clown show... Um, a one woman like we had to do 20 minutes on a platform and I sort of started to experiment with clown stuff and um, it was all silent that was about a space woman <laughs> that was about an alien oh there'd been a banana shortage and she was <laughs> trying to solve it so it was always like kind of obscure odd things sure. then Norma and I played the aunts in Every Man, we did a physical theatre production of Every Man which is Ooh. one of the um what are those plays called? Anyway, so um, <laughs> a medieval morality play, sure. So uh, we did that and we played these mad artists who were wheeled on on a tea trolley. We were like, oh, she's from from Essex too. We are like, oh, you know, was all, hello, darling. And yeah. sort of being all that, sort of like the classics. And um, then we sort of started working together and we made a show called The Ditch Dwellers, which was like a character comedy set in a town. Um, And then our friend Ed Illswhite, who was part of a group called Clever Peter? He said you could do this as sketches, and so we started to put it on at sketch nights. And it's a way of we were both working for theatre companies. I was doing lots of working for companies, did a lot of puppetry and Ooh. sort of small scale theatre uh, companies, um, who were brilliant. Uh, I've lost my thread, and then we started to make stuff together, and then we realised the great thing about comedy is you could perform it every night, so you could have an idea and you could yeah perform it that evening whereas if you were doing a theatre script night sometimes that's not as easy sure. um but yeah we were sort of actors and our um, actors and just wanted to kind of be performing and putting ourselves out there and hadn't had sort of um the classic drama school um training uh-huh. although Breton was brilliant we didn't then you know there wasn't a set route for us and so I think we found it through that through, through doing comedy and so we just used to do loads of comedy nights. So yeah, performed together it was it's ages ago now, I can't even remember.
0: <laughs> How uh so tell me about puppetry. I didn't wait, okay, so are you a puppeteer?
1: So I did I have done a little bit of puppetry. Um I was working for a company called the River People and who were good friends who are good friends and um Claire Harvey and Claire Pointing who are in that group are amazing puppeteers and continue to puppeteer and they make puppets um, and I was sort of playing comic roles and then I worked for another theatre company where I had a massive puppet, I played Lady Cap- Capulet and it was a massive uh, puppet um, of her and so yeah I just did, did some puppeteering there and sort of was able to play catch up on my puppetry skills through that but it's, it's something that we tried to get into that pair show as well but it never really fitted and um, but yeah it was more sort of physical theatre and clowning and sort of bouffon and just stuff like that you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I genuinely so many uh, of our friends at the FA have done clowning classes yeah. and stuff I genuinely know like nothing about mm. clowning so what is kind of what what's the vibe of clowning now because the one thing that I was told mm. by a lot of people is that clowning isn't what you think you know Why? I feel like a <laughs> lot of people have their idea of Clowns,
1: right? Whereas yeah. it's
0: a lot more kind of like mime and physical,
1: like circus clowns.
0: Stuff. Yeah, you, I feel yeah. like that's a lot of people's idea. Yeah, but is it a lot more mime and stuff?
1: What is it? Oh, I don't, I'm not a real expert. Okay. I know the things that I've taken from the clown training that I've done. I went and did short some courses with um, uh, Philip Gollier, and then at school. At, um, at Breton we did some stuff as well and at the actor space I think I took from it again being present and listening and yeah. status play and trying to aiming to be good and failing and playing with kind of what you've got like your own allowing yourself to be exposed sitting in something if it goes wrong for the sure. Flop, playing with that still sitting in the awkwardness yeah. and like energy levels of, of characters and um, responding but I still don't know I'm still like looking to try and explore more of that as well I did a Bouffon course um, with Goliere in the summer and uh, it wasn't long enough to really get my head around it, but you sort of just take pieces of it. I think it sort of feeds into everything that you do. I think being, res- I think being responsive and keeping an eye on your audience, like l- making sure you're looking and responding and being present and aware of the things that I'm really taking away and the things that actually connect also with the improv as well. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not an expert to be able to. I'm not enough of an expert to be able to define what it is, but it's certainly not circus. Clowns. I imagine circus clowns use a lot of. Clowning and responding, but I think it's a very different thing. And you don't need to be in full. You don't need to be in full face. You sometimes just have a small red nose, or sometimes not at all. I think it's just trying to weave all those different elements into what you make and the things that you love into all of those. Yeah, taking the improv, taking the clowning, and taking more classical training and script work. Trying to put it all into your mad imagination of ideas, cool. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> but you should definitely do some. You're a natural clown, so it's like cool. <laughs> it will be cool to see what comes comes up. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Um.
0: Uh, is he one of the? Because I think a lot of people reference some of the famous people to learn from. Yeah. They're always so
1: Philippe Gollier. Like people reference him a lot, and okay. Um. When if if people are like joking about he will come up oh, really? who trained at Gallien you know that, that <laughs> sort of thing and then there's um, Jacques Lecoq so he does lots of physical training and you can go and do lots of different um, sections so Le Jeu, which is like play and um, Buffon and character I don't know all the modules For but sure. that's, so that's in Paris and then there's mick barnfather there's loads of amazing companies and companies like um all in theater um amalia and steve they still use kind of they're sort of trained with them and they sort of use that in their work and it's that crossover between comedy and theater yeah that's very cool but yeah i see it i see people clowning like i don't think you need that tag i just wanted to go and meet like Philippe Golik because I was like that would be really interesting I've heard a lot about him and his style of teaching for sure he's kind of known and um, so I would just always intrigued to meet these people that you read about and you know I love the kind of theory of it all yeah and I like the characters like who are these people and different teaching styles yeah. I find that fascinating in improv as well and how you respond to a teacher and like what different people need as a as a class member, like, what you need, whether you like someone being really hard on you, or yeah. whether you like, you need to be constantly nurtured and complimented and guided, or how we respond to, like, I definitely respond to positive praise. Yeah. So if you see me in the street, <laughs> you say, you're doing okay. Dad. you're doing okay. Um, but equally I see the benefits that like, I've worked with directors who've definitely not taken that approach and I find it really interesting what you can get out of people and just fascinated with being in that room. That's why I really love making theatre and still, and, and like all the different processes of being an actress as well and that's what I'm trying to explore yeah. a bit more this year as well as making my own stuff. Like I love filming stuff and the different things that you need. I still feel like I'm just working on myself to try and be as good as I can be and not let that self-sabotage come in. As an actress... That, Bitches. Excuse my language.
0: (laughs) As an actress, what is like, um, just, what are some of your embarrassingly like dream roles? So ones that can already (laughs) exist, you know what I mean? Ones that already exist that you're like, oh, if I were asked if I could play that character in say a reprise of this or whatever, you know? What do you think?
1: (laughs) I love to be in Pygmalion. Okay. So, or My Fair Lady, because I get to sing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose I was responding to that just because I have a very common Essex accent and um, just the idea, I just like, really like that story. Yeah. I love to be in anything Jane Austen, anything written by Jane Austen or Elizabeth Gaskell or. Uh, Charles Dickens, like any sort of period yeah. thing. I love because I'm sort of obsessed with all. I've been obsessed, yeah. I'm obsessed with a lot of their um, writing.
0: That all feels very British, which is something yeah. that I actually have uh, on, on here. no, down that you, I have always thought have a very like British sense of humour. Okay, you feel ultra British to me. Wow, with all of your sense of humour. <laughs> Has that ever like? <laughs> Ultra British. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: uh. I think I just really interested in people in the different parts of the UK. Yeah. And I love different people's voices and I'm kind of obsessed with where I'm from and where I'm not from. Okay. And kind of where I sit being an actor um, and just my roots, my background. Um and Lorna and I were always obsessed with that because we were both from Essex and just like the different people that we'd meet and the sounds of their voices and the chat and the kind of daily and the boring and the dull and the sort of English references and sort of family. Like there's loads of, there's just funnies in my family and I've, yeah, I'm fascinated by seeing, going in, I think, just, I'm just so nosy. I'm just so nosy. I, I always want to be in other people's conversations and I overhear stuff and little snippets and, what people have said. So I suppose I do live in the UK and there's people from all over the world. Um, and I'd like to play, uh, like some of the characters that I'm putting into my show are from different places. Um, but yeah, we've just got, there's just so many different types of people where we're from. That's why I love living in London. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the British thing, I've never really thought of that. But I suppose in terms of the characters, I suppose i play a lot of working class characters, what okay. you would say would be working class, or I'm kind of interested in in that. Um, but I suppose that's just kind of where I'm from and that's why I'm interested in, in, in Pat and kind of like the references, the kind of dull stuff about living in England, Yeah. the details of our lives, and I'm kind of interested in how dull everything is. Like, And it's kind of scary, I don't find life dull.
0: But, but I like funny. those
1: details, I think there's so much, there's, so, there's lots of humour that comes from the kind of really banal kind of daily stuff yeah, and just sure. the stuff that we kind of get obsessed with or the details of the things that we reference, um, hence the sort of like being outside Papa John's in loop and I'm like where is that, yeah. like, what is the landscape? I went to a lot of towns in England when I was like, doing some touring theatre and you just go to these basins and I always used to sort of have a suss out of the charity shops and just you see the same shops like why is there always a greg's and there's like so the landscape of where, the different places you go like, you can tell a lot by the high street shops you yeah. know, in terms of where you're at for sure in england interesting but yeah
0: <laughs> okay i'm gonna ask a couple of quick fire final questions oh god they're just fun oh questions. god i'm not quick fire they're fun questions Aww. okay
1: oh wait a minute <laughs> one
0: thing, this? That, I, one is thing this? that i wrote down is for some reason i had it in my mind that you had a nut allergy and i don't know and then i was like i don't think that that's true but for some reason i'd always pegged you as having a nut because i'm a bloody nutter mate <laughs> i'm
1: an absolute nutter no i don't have a nut allergy you
0: don't have you got any allergies
1: yeah but they're so boring what i other? hate talking about my well there's not many allergies i just like I have intolerances which are just like shit versions of allergies, <laughs> it's like not even real, like no one even believes you, do you know no what I No mean? one?
0: What are they, uh, what are you intolerant?
1: I'm just really struggling right now with bread.
0: <laughs> okay, wait so is that not a glu-, um,
1: yeah it is, I just, celiac, really no I'm not fully celiac, see- I'm oh, okay. not, no I just can't, just can't deal with it, just can't deal do- with it, can't tell you how I can't deal with it, we've just got real bad issues. Um, That's so, funny. so a- Allergic I'm allergic to negativity Saying <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no Hit me hit
0: me. Um, okay So that wasn't part Not of the quick allergic. fire I, Yeah, yeah I, I just, This just is really fire. quick fire Okay um, If we went back to the 90s And you were on Stars in Your Eyes um, Who would be the person that you want to be?
1: Charlene uh, Spiteri Or Liza Minnelli Who's the first one? Or Natalie Ambul- Bruglia. Okay <laughs> Um, Shalyn Spateri is the lead of Texas and I had my hair cut like her when I was in year 9. Really bad move.
0: What is that like? What Didn't that have happen? the
1: cheekbones. She's got very short hair. Oh my god, you're so yeah, you're so young, aren't you? Um, Alex is so young. <laughs> he doesn't remember Texas. She's actually back. Um, she's got short hair, sort of elfin. Okay. Crop, like short hair sure. and I tried to go for it, but in year 9. And also my art teacher had that haircut and I was like, <laughs> I love her so much. Um so I tried to have that haircut in year nine and just got all the teachers just like, son, turn around and there was which is totally fine. But I just didn't really put it off but I just went for it. That's so funny. And my friend actually said, I'm here to support you <laughs> So her or Liza Minnelli because of stepping out. Okay. Um do you know who Liza Minnelli is? Mm-hmm. Good for you?
0: The daughter of Judy Garland. Yes. Which I literally found out about three weeks ago or something. Step
1: in now. Yeah, yeah i be I'd be her. Or Kate Bush, which is a classic. Amazing. Or Nathalie Brulio, but she's like super fit. I'd probably need surgery to be her. Which Kate Bush song? I like Army Dreamers. But it wouldn't really be. Which Army Dreamers that Army Dreamers. Army Dreamers. I'd be here. I'd do that. I love that. I think I've sung two different Kate Bush songs there. But yeah, it would definitely be Army That's Dreamers. But it's funny. definitely not... People wouldn't be like, oh my God, she's singing Army Dreamers. <laughs> i would be like, well, why is she singing that? But I just love it, and I'd just be really creepy. I was Kate... I, for my birthday party, I was Kate's bush. Okay. Yeah, very good. <laughs> hilarious. I like that a lot. Really hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. Hilarious. Pupic <laughs> um, um, hair. Yeah.
0: Okay, last one. Hit me. So I've done this a few times on the show, but always with different jobs. I'm going to give you three jobs, and you have to rank which ones you'd want to do and would be best at. Okay, so like Guess which shop, like which which fit you the best. Okay, you ready? Personal trainer, a UK ambassador, um, and um, a head chef. But you ready? There are there are certain conditions here. So the personal trainer. The person who you're training always takes their stress out on you. The ambassador is based in South America and you work as a head chef at a restaurant where everyone knows that the owner is horribly racist.
1: That seems like a no-brainer, like UK ambassador.
0: Is number one? Because having of to move
1: what to move to South America. Yeah.
0: For being the ambassador. No
1: one wants me to be here, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I think lots of people be very happy I've moved so that sounds like a great thing okay um, to be in South America I've never been but I'm no. sure they'd love me out there an Essex UK ambassador <laughs> bloody great um, personal trainer thing I love that I'm not I'm trying to get fit but the stress thing I wouldn't deal with very well I don't think like, taking out someone's stress on me okay and the racist saying, I mean, do you, I mean, no one wants to work for a racist. <laughs> but how about just being a chef? Love to be a chef. Would you? I'm obsessed with um, Are you food a big and cook? fine dining.
0: <gasps> Wait, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Tell me about this. In what way, fine dining?
1: I love... Fan
0: of restaurants? Is that what re- you mean?
1: Yeah. Number one thing. Really? Favourite. We should have talked about this for an hour. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, okay. What... Are you, like, a big foodie in needing to try new places always? Are you a big foodie of, like, um, having certain places for every type of cuisine and certain things? Like, are you, like, oh, there's a great place for tacos, you go to this place, you know? Mm.
1: Yeah, I just am obsessed with finding new places. I um, love, like, the stories of chefs. Um, And sort of going to restaurants I can't. know afford I just love eating out it's like my favorite thing I'm just in a happy place and I love the excitement of it and I haven't had this many times but I've been and had like taster menus and then they come out and tell you about the menu and yeah and just sort of creative ways of making food
0: have you ever wanted to that thing that I've read about where they put a table in the kitchen and you sit in the kitchen and you watch them make everything as they make it for you and it's like a, like, a
1: little like meditation. I'm tasting. interested in that but I kind of like the ritual of like, going out I'm interested about like not feeling like you belong in a certain place, like when I'm in, in posh restaurants, like for my like lady. people, yeah, yeah, yeah just, it's all part of the press. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> the rain in Spain. um, Yeah, it's all part of yeah, it. It's an epic journey to play <laughs> that role. Like, I, I'm very, very, very in role. It's like taking the Michael Caine thing <laughs> and just walk about in a yeah, That's long so dress. Um, yeah, I'm more excited about just, yeah, I'm interested in about place and space. It's like, I'm very aware of, like, when I go into someone, I'm just like, where do I want to sit in that restaurant? Even if it's just, like, a Nando's, I'm like, I know where I kind of want to sit. That's so fun. Um, yeah, I'm just really fascinated by food, and I find it really meditative, like, cooking. I'm not the greatest cook. I'm quite an instinctive cook. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. Um, but I love being cooked for, and, yeah, going out to a restaurant, it's like one of my favourite things, and and trying places that I can't really afford, like taking people on treats and saying it's for treats for them, for sure. and it really That's is a treat so for funny. me. And I was sort of obsessed with going to this one restaurant called Via Honte which is on Cambridge Heath Road, and I would, the receptionist knew, knew me, got to know me because I was just <laughs> ringing to try and get a get a reservation, even though I can't afford it. It's like I don't have a lot of money.
0: Wait, so have you been?
1: Yeah, I went. Yeah, was was it amazing. Like? So amazing. What did you have? I remember having a savoury, um, a sweet fish cake. Okay. So good, so good, so good. I just kind of have it. dreams about it now.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Food is really important to me.
0: Will you normally, if you're only having two courses, will you go starter, main or main dessert? Starter, main. Okay. You heard it here, guys. Start a main. Thank you. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, <cat> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh, wow. Nice. Thanks for having me. <laughs>